We are so thrilled to be partnering with Hinge. Hinge is the dating app designed to be deleted. As you all know, I'm a huge Hinge advocate as I met my partner of almost three years on the app. Even before meeting him, Hinge was always my go-to app because I met more relationship-minded people here and had some great dates. Clearly, I haven't been on the app for a little while, but I re-downloaded it to check out some of the new features. One that stood out to me was the voice prompt, my best friend's take on why you should date me, where your friend can hype you up. Not only does this make the profile creation less daunting, but it's not always easy to see your own green flags. So to test it out, I asked UA some fun prompts to get her take on what I could put if I was dating again. So the first one, how long have we known each other? What was your first impression of me and how has that changed? Julie and I have known each other for almost 10 years. My first impression of Julie was that she's very social, but I've learned that she has a lot more depth to her beyond the social butterfly that she is. My next prompt, what do you think are my green flags? I would say she's deeply loyal. She believes in love, curious mindset, and she is fearlessly ambitious. And then last but not least, what kind of friend am I? Julie is the kind of friend who will always have your back, no matter what. Damn, that feels nice to hear. So download Hinge and try voice prompts today. Then find someone worth deleting the app for. I love wine, but sometimes it can get really expensive, which is why I'm so excited that today's episode is brought to you by Last Bottle Wines. If you don't know, they're a Napa-based online wine shop with a twist. They offer just one hand-picked wine per day until it sells out, which is often an hour's. So new day, new wine, always at incredible prices. We're talking 30 to 70% off retail. And the best part is that there's no subscriptions, no fees, and no minimum purchase. Just a daily email with a really great wine. They're offering Datable listeners 10% off your first order with code Datable. And now is such a great time to join as their marathon sale is coming up on March 28th and 29th. They flip that one day rule on its head and offer back to back deals, which means that wines are only up on the site for a couple minutes at a time and shipping is 100% free. They send us a mini marathon package of some of their favorites and let me tell you, they were delicious. Sign up at lastbottlewines.com and use the code datable and find out why Last Bottle is the most fun way to discover and buy amazing wine. The Dateable Podcast is an insider's look into modern dating that the Huffington Post calls one of the top 10 podcasts about love and sex. On each episode, we'll talk to real daters about everything from sex parties to sex droughts, date fails to diaper fetishes, and first moves to first loves. I'm your host, USU, former dating coach turned dating sociologist. You'll also hear from my co-host and producer, Julie Kraftchik, as we explore this crazy dateable world. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Dateable, a show all about modern dating, where we eagerly dig into the whys of people's behavior. And this episode in particular is really digging into the whys of people's behavior (laughs) and how you can make that connection through hacking people's behavior and understanding why people do the things they do and why people say 
what they say. I love it. Our guest today is Vanessa Van Edwards, who is someone that you and I've wanted for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And she's like the ultimate, like her whole her whole like existence and company and books and everything she's put out is all about the science of people. And her book is actually called Captive. You have it right and there. I'm holding it up. I'm holding it up. This is how long we've been trying to get her on the podcast. I have the paperback <laughs> copy, not even the Kindle. <laughs> so it's the science of succeeding with people and all the stuff that we're going to talk about on this whole episode, the intro, the episode, all of it. Like, I love this stuff because it gives you kind of like those inner working psyche that like people are studying that the average person may be totally oblivious to. And knowledge is power. And this type of stuff like helps in all facets of life. It's not just dating. And I have a confession. I'm so glad we had her on the show before I went to this wedding over the weekend. It is my first first kind of large scale social event in the last over a year and a half, I guess. And it was with a bunch of people I didn't know. My close friend from whom I met in Beijing invited me, but her friends are all friends that I've never met because they're all her new Mm. friends since moving back to the States. So I really had to come out of my introverted shell for this event. And I didn't (laughs) realize how much energy it took to just strike up a conversation in line, introduce myself to the people on my table. I underestimated how much effort I needed to make. And I'm so glad that I had her voice in my head for a lot of those conversations because I was like, okay, for this one, I I don't need to say anything. I just need to show interest, just nod, (laughs) show good uh, posture and show that I'm interested in this conversation. That's all I need to do. But it takes a lot out of you after a year of cocooning yourself Mm -hmm. and not meeting new people. My God. I'm really glad you brought that up because I think even the people that are like the most extroverted, we've been in like a weird social environment this last year where we're out of practice. I think if you've been in the Saudi world, you've at least got it's a virtual practice. But I think there is a definite real transition happening. And I feel like this weekend... Okay, so we are releasing this episode. We're doing the intro like a couple days earlier. June 15th is like the big California mm-hmm. reopening day. And I saw the best TikTok that was like, so should we take this day off? <laughs> like, is this going to just like, is this going to be a new should holiday? We celebrate? Like, what's happening? Yeah. But I feel like this weekend, I know, is like a little before the actual official opening, but I think everyone has it in their head. Like, okay, it's happening. Yeah. I feel like this weekend went from like zero to oh, 184, oh my- maybe. Gosh. I was dying on Sunday. I was so freaking tired, like exhausted. I think just everyone wanted to do stuff. I would say maybe it wasn't zero to 180, but it was like 30 to 180. Because I feel like even social activities I've been at have been like, let's go to outdoor dining. Like, let's, you know, very chill. And this weekend, like I went to a house party with like about 50 people. That's way too much. And... <laughs> it was it was super fun, but it was like it was primarily outside still, which I am still loving. Like I'm just glad that like San Francisco is I mean, I think all of California is keeping this, but like all the outdoor mm-hmm. dining and all the stuff is staying. But I will give a shout out to Zach, whose party it was, <laughs> a long friend of ours, and his girlfriend who I met, who is like, I recognized your voice. Oh, you mean Chris listen to the pot? No, no, no. His his girlfriend, Zach's oh, girlfriend. Zach's girlfriend. Yeah, Zach so I'm gonna give girlfriend? her a shout out. He does. Yes, I'm giving him her a shout out because she's like, I recognize your voice because we listen to the podcast 
together. And I was like, I love that. Like the oh. two of them have listened to episodes before. Oh, when you said Oh, when you said the girlfriend, I thought you meant the actual birthday boy's girlfriend. You meant oh, Zach's yeah, yeah. girlfriend. Uh, no, no. <laughs> Yes. Sorry. We we have like, actually, there's a lot of connections to this group and the podcast. We had the birthday boy. He was um our, when we did a live show way back in the day, he was our dateable DJ. DJ. So DJ Riles. <laughs> DJ Riles. So one day when UA and I were making it big, we're bringing you along on the road. <laughs> <laughs> 50 people is very daunting. My flight was completely full. I could only sit in the middle seat. The airport was completely full. That was a lot for me. But I think maybe if you saw 50 people that you kind of knew or or familiar i think that would make me feel better but 50 yeah. new people i don't uh the thought of that just makes there me were crazy. definitely people i didn't know i don't know i don't feel like my social exist like my social skills i don't feel are that rusty mm. but i have felt like this is always something that's been more natural to me there's right. a lot of things that aren't natural to me i'm not like saying i'm above other stuff but like socializing is always like platonic socializing has always come very naturally to me not for me <laughs> <laughs> Not for me. I'm super awkward. It was super fun. I'm glad that like I was able to socialize. It didn't feel like, I mean, San Francisco is actually one of, San Francisco and Seattle are the first two cities to reach like herd immunity in terms of like number of Seattle vaccines. too? I mm-hmm. knew, oh, San Francisco I knew, yeah, but Sa- Seattle, oh, okay. San Francisco is at like 80% or something. So yeah, I mean, I feel like it was kind of like one of those things that I'm like, I'm just going to run with it. I was, I, honestly, I was outside like 90% of the night anyways. So I really yeah. didn't feel like that bad. And he had a, like a big place. So it's very spread out. It was funny though because I feel like people there like know me and like know that I do the podcast and people would be like, oh, come meet Julie. She has this sex podcast. Or another person would be like, come meet Julie. She has this romance podcast. So like it all <laughs> is like how you interpret it, which I was like, this is actually kind of funny hearing like how people explain it, you know? <laughs> A sex podcast. We've heard that a few different times. I kind of wish we had a sex podcast. I know. I was like, this isn't really how I describe it. But it was just funny, like the extremes. Like, I mean, it was all in the same genre, of course. But it like, right, basically, like, what is it that's interesting to that specific person? Exactly, exactly. (laughs) And that's how they package it in their head. That's good to know, though, that because I was in Seattle. So it's good to know that we were both in very safe cities. I do love hearing couples that listen together though that made me Mm -hmm. so happy like I obviously like meeting people that like me because of the podcast already so that's (laughs) always a nice thing I was like I really like your girlfriend (laughs) you know obviously you're like I listen to the podcast but I I always like when couples listen together because I think it's like a really good way to bring up topics that you may not ever talk about so true I I absolutely realize that and I think a lot of couples think that this this podcast because it says dateable that's not for them but don't forget you never stop dating even when you're in a relationship and this weekend I had the pleasure of meeting my boyfriend's cousin who Mm. also listens to the podcast nice and (laughs) it's a different perspective when he's related to the boyfriend of the host (laughs) the boyfriend of the host who talks about the boyfriend every once in a while so he has like a more that relative perspective on it like kind of like when your relatives listen Mm -hmm. so we kind of forget that there are 
all kinds of people listening all the time, and we may, <laughs> it's okay. It's not going to censor us any anyway. But no. it it is always a little bit surprising when someone you don't expect oh, listening to totally. Be listening. Like last week when I'm like I just talked about pegging for like an hour. Like, yeah. who, <laughs> I'm like who knows who's listening right now? I think you just have to get over it. Like I've learned that I'm just like I need to just get over it and not even like think about it. Yeah, I mean, at end of the day is like we're creating this for our ourselves and we love this content and we love the people who listen to this content so we just assume anybody who's listening is supporting whatever <laughs> topics we're talking about everything everything is on the table and nothing is off limits there was mm-hmm. something that was interesting at this wedding that I wanted to text you about Julie but I was in the middle of a wedding so it would have been really rude but it was during <laughs> the speeches and um, the sister of the bride who is also the matron of honor gave this speech and she says something that is still making me think and I love mm. to get your thoughts on it and I love to get all of you listening right now your thoughts on this too so DM us tell us your thoughts she says something along the lines of this she's been married twice and she said one thing I've learned from my marriages is that you always put your partner first mm. and above everybody else above your friends above your coworkers, above your work above your parents above your family above everyone else Hmm. And it kind of, the room got quiet and her words simmered a little bit. And I I could engage the reaction from the other people in the room. But for me, I had to think about that a little bit. I understand prioritizing your partner, but do Mm -hmm. you believe that for a relationship to be healthy, you prioritize your partner above family and friends? I was not expecting this deep philosophical question, UA, but this is, that's so fascinating. It's it's funny that like the room went silent on Mm -hmm. it because I see what she's saying on some capacity. Like, I feel like if something made my partner uncomfortable, I'd want to prioritize that above everything else. But... I'm, where I'm torn is that I think you do need balance too in to be a good partner and to like not get resentful of each other. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's maybe it's still putting them above that to some degree, but I don't think it can like occupy like a hundred percent of your time because like I just don't think people would grow as individuals either. Mm-hmm. Like you would just like morph into the same person. I don't know. It's like how do you define priority? That's what I think maybe is the question and you like it I'm deflecting the question with another question because I don't know the answer to this one but I think like priority to me maybe um I don't know it's like I on one side I agree with her and then on another side I want to say like there was this graphic once that circulated in our Facebook group that was like my partner's a priority but also my friends and family are a priority and career and all this stuff and it's not like they're not a priority because something else is a priority so I didn't answer I didn't answer because I honestly just don't know I'm still wrapping my head around it yeah and I wasn't expecting a definitive (laughs) answer from you because I also had these internal conflicts of thinking if I'm ever put in a position where I had to prioritize my family or my partner, then I'm in the wrong relationship. Mm. I kind of felt that way. I never, I hope I'm never put into that position. But I can also see a scenario, something as rudimentary as birthdays. Let's say my father's birthday fell on the same day as my partner's birthday. Mm. Yeah, what do you do? What do you do? Who do you celebrate with? And I hope in an ideal world, we can celebrate together. But what Mm -hmm. 
if both people wanted you to prioritize their birthdays? What do you do? And I I think about that. Again, I hope nobody ever puts me in that position. But if you are put into that position, does that mean the relationship is not headed in the right direction? Or is it true? I love to hear from my friends who've been married for a long time. Mm -hmm. Is it true you just constantly prioritize your partner? And that's what makes a long lasting relationship. I would love to hear more thoughts on it. I've also thought about this with like location. Like Mm -hmm. I've had friends that have had to move because of partners. Like they've had no, I guess the choice was like break up or be with this person and move. Like that was the choice. Yeah. And they chose to be with this person and move to somewhere that was less desirable Mm -hmm. for them. And they openly was like, I would never move here in a zillion years if it wasn't for my partner. Yeah. And I've been torn with that too. Cause I'm like on one side, I want to believe that like my partner would make me happy no matter where I was. Mm -hmm. But then I think about like, I get just simple pleasure of just being able to like walk to a coffee shop. Yeah. Like if I was in some random suburban town where I couldn't do that, like I don't, I feel like on a day to day, I wouldn't be happy and I would like build resentment up. So I don't know. It's like such a hard one, but I would also never want to say like I wouldn't do it because I think like the right person comes along. Like you don't want to just like throw that away either. So I'd be open to it. But it is one of those things like I think until you're in these situations, it's almost hard to like say how you'd react to it. And there's a lot of factors, right? Yeah. And even though, you know, I've been with my partner for three years now, it's been a a while. We're not married. So I feel like I don't in some fucked up way. I don't Mm. really feel like I need to prioritize Mm. our relationship before my family, let's say, because I feel like, I don't know, maybe once you establish yourself as a family, once you have kids, then you become a family cohort yourself. But until then, I don't, it's not really family to me yet. Maybe that's really fucked up to think about. No, it's just you're more traditional and placing that value on marriage. Mm. Or starting a family. Yeah. Like to me, that's just, that's what a family is. So maybe I'm, I need to rethink all of this and just think about like, what does this prioritization mean? Because I think it does happen in relationships and it is a point of contention for a lot of marriages mm-hmm. because people don't know how they're prioritizing their partners. So again, we love to hear from our listeners. What do you all think? <laughs> Have you had this experience? And what is your advice to, let's say, newlyweds? Do you constantly prioritize your partner above everybody else? So I'm dying to know, okay, how did the speech like end? Were people like, yes, I get it? Or was it still that like, kind of dead air <laughs> oh man it was a little bit awkward i'm not gonna lie she it's had a land. really it was a beautiful speech and she has some really funny moments about her sister but in the end she said let's raise a glass for the couple and we raised and we cheered but that was it like silence you know, so I do wonder because we were also sitting at a table with across from this couple who had been married before and were dating each other. I saw one of them kind of nodding and the other one kind of mm-hmm. like, hmm, I don't know. So I think everyone was reflecting back to their own relationships. It, it kind of ended not that I I would say it was a bad speech. It was a it was yeah. a thought provoking speech. And I think a lot of people went home, and probably had conversations. Yeah, I mean, kind of spoiler alert, but our season finale which is next week. Yeah. I cannot believe that we're already done with season 12. How is that 
that possible? I, I don't know. But we have John Kim, aka the angry therapist. <laughs> <laughs> and he his whole book that we talk about is called Single on Purpose. Mm-hmm. And it's basically even if you're in a relationship, his whole thing is like you need to prioritize yourself. Like your sense of self. That's where I struggle with this because it's like on some side, I see prioritizing a relationship. But I think if that's all you prioritize, that becomes unhealthy too. Like there's there's a balance with all of it. And there's so many cultural nuances to this. I know my Asian brothers and sisters would totally know what I'm talking about Mm. when I say there's so much guilt that comes with prioritizing myself above my family. Mm -hmm. There's so much guilt saying I'm prioritizing my partner. Mm above my family. So I don't, maybe it's just so deeply ingrained in me to think I would never deprioritize my family under anybody else. I just I just cannot imagine that. But I've also seen a lot of my family friends and my relatives, their marriages fail because they prioritize their family mm-hmm. and totally their their partner fell by the wayside and yep. became became something of a a consequence versus someone that you really covet. And I and I've seen this and Julie, you and I have talked about this. There's so many Chinese couples I know who who are married but lived long distance. So they mm-hmm. don't live in the same city together. And they do this for years, sometimes decades, because they're prioritizing the family. They're prioritizing making money. They're prioritizing taking care of their their parents. What happens to that relationship, right? So I think it's just very nuanced. I don't think it's like a one size fits all in any way. I I agree, though, the risk of letting someone go to the wayside is very real because if you're so only self-focused or you're only like hanging out with your friends or family and like excluding your partner, that's going to be a recipe for failure, too. Yeah, that's not a good thing. Yeah, because people, when they think they're prioritizing, they have to deprioritize something else. It's like a sacrifice, but it's not that way. So maybe that's the maybe that's the answer. Like that goes Mm. back to that like graphic we were talking about. It's like my partner is a priority, but I have other priorities too. So you're still like a priority, but this person was saying it should be the number one priority. Number one priority. I don't know. Weird, right? Yeah, I don't know. It's so hard. It's so hard because life is so many things. (laughs) I love that we're just giving all this food for thought. All these people that are like, you know, I feel like this term has been throwing around lately that made me think of FODA, fear (laughs) of dating again. And I am just like, we're adding like another like massive turmoil in people's mind right this minute, probably that are like, I'm barely surviving the pandemic or getting out of it myself. Now I need to like make sure that this person is like my whole world and priority. (laughs) (laughs) FODA. What a funny, funny word. Fear of dating again. How many of you have FODA? Just raise your imaginary hand for us because <laughs> we want to take a poll. I feel like, yeah, I feel like this is becoming a thing. Like I've heard this on multiple, you know, in multiple articles. Like mm-hmm. it came up on, um, I did like, a like while UA was on another podcast that I'm going to be on this week, we <laughs> yes. uh, did like, it's kind of like Clubhouse, but it's called Fishbowl. They yeah. call it when Reddit and Clubhouse had a baby, it becomes Fishbowl. <laughs> so we 
did one um, with Courtney Kay, who is a long-term How UA and I Met. We got introduced by Courtney. She's our matchmaker, dating coach friend. So she wanted us to be part of this. And I ended up just doing it because UA had the conflict. And Voda came up a lot. Mm. Like this came up as like, what, and apparently this was like their most trafficked room that they've ever had in history. There was like thousands of people there, which I wasn't even aware of. So if you're coming in for a fishbowl, welcome. We're happy to have you. But I think photo was like a very real thing. And that's mm. why I think it got a lot of tune in because it was like all about dating post pandemic and answering questions. Yeah, because there's so many layers to it. There is the social layer mm-hmm. to that. There is the COVID layer. And then on top of that, there is the romance layer. And to navigate all of those three layers together, I can totally understand why someone would just want to crawl back into a hole and be like, let me quarantine. Let me yeah. quarantine. It's funny because I wasn't expecting this. Like I was expecting like, oh, everyone would be like dying to date again, yeah. right? Because they've been like, you know, been more conscious about it. Maybe not dating as much as they once did or, you know, be if they were super uh, conservative with COVID, maybe not really going out and seeing anyone. So you would think that people would like jump at the chance, but I think it's going, it's the zero to 180. It's like, you kind of need to take those baby steps. And I think mm-hmm. that's okay. Like if you're feeling photo yourself, like maybe it's just easing back in platonically with people or doing things that aren't as much pressure right away if you're feeling that way. Yeah, baby steps. I think the part with FODA, I can totally see it. FODA comes from just, it's really fun. The concept is really fun. So you're like gearing up. Yes, I want to date again. But when push comes to shove, you're thinking about logistically how to do mm-hmm. all of this. And then the energy you have to spend and the effort. I totally understand where that fear can come from and the reluctancy. So listen to yourself. Listen to your intuition. If you are fearing it and your body is kind of, you know, trying to like push against it. Maybe Mm -hmm. you're just not ready yet. Baby steps. Yeah. So I was actually on another podcast, the California Groundbreakers, Mm, that was all about, again, dating post-pandemic. And there was also a professor at UC Davis that had an attraction lab, who I think we should try to get on the podcast because he had very interesting insights. And like one of the things that he said that stuck out to me was the reason like dating apps obviously have been rising through the pandemic because it's been the one way to like meet people and date. Mm -hmm. Like no one's going out and meeting people organically. And he said that a lot of people have felt, you know, frustrated by the dating apps, maybe Mm -hmm. more than even before, because that's been like the whole basis of every romantic interaction. And they've been like putting more weight potentially on like if someone flakes from a conversation or doesn't Mm. match back, where in the past, you kind of balance that with like going to parties or going out and about and like having more of these meet cute experiences experiences in addition to just dating apps. So it was seen as like one vehicle, not the only vehicle. So Mm. I feel like I'm hoping that people can like if they're feeling overwhelmed, maybe it's just getting yourself back out there in more social settings and kind of easing in that way. And then hopefully not like eventually getting back to dating apps too, because I still believe firmly that they're a good way to meet people. It just might not have to be like the only way if that's causing you a lot of like stress and anguish. Yeah. And Foda can leave, lead to Foda, actual Foda. Julie, do you want to <laughs> do you wanna bring up the text oh my God. that we got? <laughs> we need to. We got a text from Inez. Oh, my God. I got to pull it up. It was so great. Inez is one of our favorite past guests. Probably She's remember her from... The best. 
across ages. It was dating and ghosting and all the likes. We had Inez and Amanda. Inez is in her 70s. Amanda's in her 30s. And she is a firecracker. I just love it. I was like getting, I was like out with my boyfriend and I was getting these texts and I was just showing him like videos of Inez dancing (laughs) in there. So I'm like, she is just a firecracker. I'm like, if I could be like this... Like, if I could be like this in my 70s, I'd be in, like, great shape, right? So oh, yeah. She... If I could be like that in my 50s, I'd be Oh, happy. my God. She has more energy than I do in my 30s. Oh, I'll just put that out there. amazing. But she was saying, she group texted UA and I, and she's mm-hmm. like, girls, I'm laughing so hard, you can't imagine. Because in the newsletter, we put something about FODA. And... <laughs> She's Brazilian, so she basically said, Foda in Brazilian Portuguese is slang to screw or to fuck. So she just (laughs) kept thinking that every time. And I'm like, oh my god, I love this. This whole chain is just killing me. I love it. She's the best. I love it because it's so opposite of what Foda stands for. (laughs) So now I'm like, Foda, what's this? uh, Has a sexy ring to it, right? Yeah. Do you have Foda or do you want to photo right right you're like what type of photo are you talking about Inez you are our idol thank you for being part of our lives (laughs) she's she's truly the best but what really is what a funny text I was like photo like photo to screw really that's what that means (laughs) that's great too funny love it um I think you were like on an airplane during this whole thing too Yeah, I got off the plane and I was like, like 50 texts later about Foda. Yeah, what does this conversation mean? Oh, okay. Great. Right up my alley since we're a sex podcast. Yep, exactly. It's all how you interpret it. So speaking of Foda introverts, all the likes, I think we should do our question of the day because this is something that comes up a lot. And I think it's a really good transition of, you know, like we're getting all, we're all getting back out there. June 15th, if you're listening now, it is, we're like in the future as we're recording this podcast intro, but (laughs) June 15th, at least is the California magic date. Other states probably have either already reopened or have been reopened if you're in Florida for like the whole pandemic. Yeah. No judgment. Never closed. <laughs> been photoing this whole time in Florida. <laughs> Foda in Florida. Photo in Florida. That's a merch t-shirt. <laughs> but in all seriousness, here's our question. Because as things open up, we get this question quite a bit, especially from people who are naturally introverted or, or who become increasingly more introverted <laughs> like myself. So uh, this person summed it up the best. As things open up, how can I as an introvert meet people out in the wild? Mm-hmm. Mm. I think by the nature of this question, you can feel the type of the fear of (laughs) conversation, the fear of approaching strangers that Mm -hmm. comes up. And I get that. That gives me a lot of anxiety to think about. That's what I experienced this past weekend at the wedding. (laughs) I think the uh, first, what we need to do as introverts or as self-labeled introverts is to stop calling yourself an introvert. The more you call yourself an introvert, the more introverted you become. <laughs> so just say, I have introverted tendencies, but I like people. That's 
That's who you are. That's why you want to meet people. Meeting people out in the wild is exactly that. You're not meeting people on a pedestal. You're not meeting goddesses. You're not meeting gods. (laughs) You're not meeting warriors. You're meeting other people. So they're at the same level. They're all humans and you're approaching them as humans. So just think about out in the wild are meeting people who are exactly the same as you. They're humans. My biggest learning from some of my earlier days of hanging out with my friends who are more extroverted is when you go into a room or a bar or an event and you want to meet new people, always latch yourself to the most extroverted person in the Mm -hmm. room. Find that person because that person is going to love you. They want to take you on (laughs) under their wings and they want to introduce you to other people. Let them be that vehicle for conversation. Oh my God. I found this quote. It came up on Instagram the other day that was like basically like as an introvert, I either have no friends or I got adopted by an extrovert that liked me. But isn't that the truth? It oh, is. That's so, it's so true, though. It's so funny. I would never think of you as an introvert in a zillion years because you're so outgoing. And I think a lot of times people misconstrue what it means to be an introvert because some of mm-hmm. it is just how you recharge. So I love this tip of like, are you still a people person? Even if you recharge by being alone, that doesn't mean that you can't socialize with people. But I do know people that are that. I just maybe they actually get more energized when they're with people, but they are not people that like have wide social circles because Mm -hmm. they don't value that as much. Like they value like deep, small connections. But I think depending on who you are, probably the best way to get back out there to meet people is through friends of friends. I think that like, I mean, I I don't know if I'm an introvert or an extrovert. I waver back and forth like every day. You're more extroverted. (laughs) I think I'm an ambivert. That's like the middle, right? Of like getting energy. I think you skew still more extrovert. Probably. Yeah. Probably. I don't know. I I need more and more downtime as I get older, for sure. (laughs) That's called aging. (laughs) Maybe, maybe. It doesn't make you less of an extrovert. I I guess, like, I think some of it is that, like, even meeting people totally random, I fear that. Like, I could never just walk up to some rando person and start talking to them. Like, that's very daunting to even someone that considers them an extrovert. So I think, first of all, know that you're kind of on level playing fields with everyone there. It's something that, especially as dating apps have gotten more and more popular, it's something we do less and less in society. So I would say start with friends of friends. And, you know, maybe that's going to a party again. I I was so happy to go to a party this weekend. I was just, like, loving every (laughs) second of it. I'm like, I haven't done this in two fucking years. (laughs) Spend one year, okay. (laughs) Give or take. A year and a half. (laughs) It's almost two years. But I think some of it is like, maybe you don't need to dive into the party of 50 to 100. Unless that's cool with you, then by all means do it. But I think that's obviously the best odds, right? Is to like meet people because you'll have some connection. It won't be totally random. It's so much easier to strike up random conversations with people at a party than at a random place where you have no connection to them. Mm -hmm. But even if you're not the type of person that either has friends that throw parties or you don't have a wide network even like saying like to your friend being like hey do you have like another person that you can bring and start to like have the ripple effect because then they'll have people and that's how you grow your social network and that's how you can start meeting more and more people and I think people also sometimes go with this intention of like meeting someone of whatever like sex or gender they're attracted to but it doesn't need to be that it can just be like baby steps again like just meet another human being because you never know who they know. Yes, exactly. 
So if you're an introvert, we totally get it. I get it. I feel like people suck the energy out of me. So instead of you putting yourself out there to get your energy sucked out of, you just find that person, one of your <laughs> extroverted friends who who thrives on other people's energy and they can in turn give you the people and the energy that you need. And if you're out in the wild, just find the loudest person in the room or the person who loves attention. That person would just love to take you around the room and help you meet people. Is that how our friendship started? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, were you my Sherpa? Maybe. <laughs> Julie, introduce me to people. I'm scared of meeting people. But yeah, I think in friendships too, you, you see that dynamic. You see the one that's more outgoing and you see the other one that's a little bit more like got to peel back the onion layers a little bit more. And that's the best part of humans is that we're all so different, but we complement each other. So mm-hmm. find the person in the room who compliments you. Not so much a romantic interest, just someone who compliments your energy and then ha- have them be your Sherpa. Love it. Well, for the record, everyone was asking where you were at the party. Oh, so okay. I feel much better. I feel much better. <laughs> See, I'm the type of extrovert in that way, in a hypothetical way. In yes. my mind, I was hypothetically conversing with everyone, having a great time at this 50-person party. But in reality, I was at home in my j- pajamas drinking some good whiskey. Yes. <laughs> Love it. Let's do a couple of announcements and our sponsors. And then we're going to get into some of the stuff that Vanessa teaches, which is going to be really fun. We're going to get into some of the actual human connection hacks. So quick messages that we have. We are going to, I mean, this Thursday, we have Corey Rosen from Your, mm-hmm. Your Story Well Told. We are going to be doing our dateable after show that's part of the sounding board. He's going to be helping helping us all come out of our shells. I think this Mm -hmm. is the best thing to do if you have photo right now is to come to this event. It's key as I've done many of his classes. And let me tell you, this is a steal. The price that we charge at the Saturday board is an absolute steal. We are lucky to have friends in high places with this, which is Mm -hmm. very nice with our network. All of our guests, this is a steal. Like they are so good to us in that regard. And I think one of the things that is going to be super fun, it's going to be very interactive. It's going to be flexing those social muscles that a lot of us have been, you know, haven't been actively using as much. And I think it's going to really help whether that story is just conversation on a date, or maybe it's you're with a partner and you've run out of things to say because, you know, it's COVID and there hasn't been a ton of things happening. Like that will help get that ammunition going or even the difficult stuff. Like, why are you still single? Why are Mm -hmm. you divorced? Why have you never had a relationship? Like those questions you fear someone asking you, he's going to help you come up with a freaking awesome story to tell your story. Mm-hmm. I can't wait for this one. It's going to be really interactive, like Julie said, and also helps you reshape your thinking because you might think your life is mundane or you might think mm-hmm. your life is not that interesting, but he's going to help you realize that everybody's life can be really exciting and unique as long as you storytell in the way that he's going to teach you. So join that. Join the sounding board at datablepodcast.com slash sounding board for all the information. Mm-hmm. And definitely get on it because we keep these small so we can have that personal attention. Mm-hmm. Cool. And then the other announcement is that we will be having a Pride live stream. We Yay. are going to be having Ryan, who's one of our moderators and hosts, 
And his boyfriend, who he met during the pandemic, Matt, they are going to lead. I love that he brought Matt into the group. Again, we are all for couples. Once you meet your person, keep them dateable. Listen to Dateable Together. Bring them into the Facebook group. All the good stuff. That warms my heart hearing this all the time. But they are going to lead um, a live stream. And we are also inviting other members of the community that are in the LGBTQ plus community to also speak. We had Brian Clark, our most dateable winner, so that he down and we have we put up a post today for anyone to join because we'd love just diversity within the community as well mm-hmm. to be represented so i'm excited we're going to talk about just you know the history a bit of pride like why are we celebrating pride for an entire month and then like why should straight people get behind this and when it says june 23rd june right? 23rd yes yep. we're going to do this june 23rd 5 30 p.m psd 8 30 p.m est our standard times that we typically do these live streams that's going to be so much fun. I can't wait to just see <laughs> see Ryan and Matt be just cute together. Love it. So yeah, if you're not in the Facebook group, this is your call out to join Love in the Time of Corona by the Dateable Podcast. You can search on Facebook. We just have you give a little blurb so we know you're a real person. And then of course, if you want to take things up a notch, the sounding board, that's where the Corey event is going to be. That's where the happy hours happen. That's where all these people are starting to become super close friends. And we had a DC and S. SF meetup and New York. I think there was like multiple meetups this mm-hmm. week. Yeah, I'm Seattle this week. <laughs> Seattle, this that's week. the other one. Yep, Washington, there's... D.C. <laughs> yep. It's starting. It's starting, starting, people. It is starting. Cool. Let's take another quick second to talk about our sponsors. Are historical romances your thing? Yeah, then you will love The Undercover Duke by Sabrina Jeffries. In the fourth Duke Dynasty novel, step-siblings investigate the truth about their mother's succession of beloved husbands and their own surprising identities as eligible young nobles. And for an uptight Duke still nursing a broken heart, the last thing he needs is a pretend engagement with a vivacious and alluring young woman. As they're drawn deeper into secret schemes, could she solve not just the mystery of his family, but the riddle of his heart as well? New York Times bestselling author Sabrina Jeffries, one of the best-known names in historical romance, weaves an enchanting Regency romance with a mystery at its core. Learn more about The Undercover Duke by Sabrina Jeffries by going to kensingtonbooks.com or wherever books are sold. This episode is brought to you by Z-Man Games, an array of fun games for adults, one of which is called Love Letter. Now, in this card game, your goal is to win the heart of the noble princess who is looking for an ideal partner and confidant to help with her royal duties when she one day assumes the throne. Your goal is to enlist the characters in the castle to deliver your love letter while keeping other players' letters away. It's trickier than it sounds. Powerful cards lead to early gains but make you a target and rely on weaker cards for too long and your letter may be tossed in the fire. I find it to be a fun and nice 20-minute mental break during the day. This two to six player card game fits in your pocket so you can take it with you anywhere. Love Letter is appropriate for ages 10 and up and is available for $11.99 through Z-Man Games. You can find it at Target, your local game store, or directly through Z-Man's web store. Cool. So before we get into Vanessa, we had a little shorter time with Vanessa than we typically like because she's, you know, very 
very in demand, has a lot of engagement. So we would take any time we could get, but a little shorter than our typical interviews. So we wanted to do a little trivia first. So UA actually has not seen these questions. So this is very raw and real, but I'm actually getting this out of Captivate, which is Vanessa's book. So anyone on YouTube can see this. And rumor has it, Vanessa's working on a new book right this minute. Exciting. So very exciting. So this whole episode, we're really talking about PQ, which is interpersonal intelligence. And it's really, again, like, like, how do you use all the tools at your disposal to understand humans so you can relate in the best way possible? Yep. Mm-hmm. So we'll be going into what PQ means a lot more in the actual episode too, but it's really about your people skills essentially is what it's boiled down to. Okay, so the first question I have for you, UA, how much of our personality comes from our genes? So option A is very little. Our personality is mostly formed by how we are raised. B, 35% to 50%. C, to 75%. D, a lot. Our personality is mostly formed by our genetics and DNA. What what a timely question. I watched this movie called Soul on the Plane. It's a Pixar animated film, (laughs) and it's about how the soul and how we get our personalities and what what happens. Obviously, it's an animated film, but in the movie, they talk about how your personality is basically something like assigned to you. It's not really in your genes. So I'm going to say it's A- not zero from your genes. Okay, well, Pixar was wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Damn it. I learned everything from Pixar. But it was B, 35 to 50%. So it wasn't totally wrong. You just went like zero. It's not zero. There's going to be some parts that are genetically passed down. But what that means is that basically 50% is up to you. And that could be your environment. That could be your own self-work. All of that type of stuff. How interesting. Okay. Wow. Personality. We passed down through the genes. Okay. So some of it. There's a little bit going on. Yeah, a little bit. So some is nature some is nurture basically right yeah hmm. okay. okay good question so the next trivia question is the best way to show someone you care about them is to a tell them all the reasons they are awesome b get them a gift c do their to-do list for them d all of the above e it's different for each person Oh. Easy. It's this love languages. So E, it's different for each for each person. It is. I thought that was a that was an easy question for you. But <laughs> I think it's an important one. And like, you know, not all our listeners might know about love languages. And even if you do, that, you know, it's a I think it's a fascinating topic because everyone is different. Yeah. And what makes you feel loved and cherished and all that might not be what is someone else. So I think, you know, really, especially as you're dating someone, understanding that is super important. And even like for friendship or other relationships, too, it's very important. Yes. Yes. Okay. Our brains are most active when we are chatting about A, our crush, B, the latest juicy gossip. C, ourselves. D, the latest thriller. Ooh, that's a good one. Okay, for all of our listeners right now, I want you to screenshot this right now <laughs> and d- and tag us on Instagram with your answer. So can you give us a give us the choices again, Julie? Yep. Our crush, the latest juicy gossip, ourselves, the latest thriller. Okay. Everybody got your answer? Here's my answer. 
I think it's gossip. Juicy gossip. You are not correct. It's ourselves. Everyone likes talking really? about themselves. Our and brains I- are most active when we talk about ourselves. Yes. I and think what, that's what was that C? I'm like, maybe I should check the answer and make sure that's correct. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Julie just made it that is. up. No. <laughs> Is it C? It is C. Okay. It is correct. I think that is like, honestly, I think that if you are ever unsure of how to win, I don't don't like win people over, but like, you know, like connect with someone. Mm. It's asking them questions about themselves. Yeah. I think people's like pet peeves is when you just talk at them. Like those people are the most infuriating to me or someone that never asks you anything. Like a quick and easy way to make yourself likable is to just ask how someone is doing or ask them about something that's interesting to them. That's fascinating. But it also shows that when we talk about ourselves, our brains are working overtime to construct that story, which is yep. why Corey Rosen's going to be so <laughs> valuable for us <laughs> if you join his workshop about creating your story. That was great, great one. Okay, so this is a good that leads into them. The best way to get someone on the same page as you is to A, tell them a story, B, pay them a compliment, C, make them laugh, or D, say something surprising. To get on the same page as you, hmm? I say to make them laugh. Nope. The answer oh, is I suck. <laughs> the answer is tell them a story, which is like, I love that. And ah. I can totally see why, because it's like you're in an experience together, essentially. Oh. And then you can also see how they react, like see what's interesting. Like, I think you could quickly see someone's sense of humor, some of their values, like depending on how they react to the story. So Julie, you're telling me the next time I go in for a salary negotiation, I should be like, listen, boss, hold on. Let me tell you this story first. So this weekend I did this. Actually, you know what? That might work. That's how you small talk. And then you're like, can I have a, a million dollars? Okay, try that out and get back to okay. me on that. <laughs> Good answer. Okay. And then the very last one that I'll do is... I'm ready. Making someone feel blank is the best way to improve their mood. A, flattered. B, attractive. C, valued. D, powerful. C, valued. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants to be seen. You came out ahead, UA. You got the last one. Thank goodness. I think all of this is so fascinating. It's a great lead in to our discussion with Vanessa because it's really just understanding some of this stuff. And what I like about her and other body language experts that are out there is that if someone's doing something that's not necessarily in line with what you think, it doesn't mean that like they hate you or they don't like Mm. you or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's, It's an opportunity to reset, either zone in on that a little more, attend to that need or ask questions. I think that's Mm. what she really stresses in this. It's a cue. It's not the whole answer. And I think that is kind of like the the line that I want to also put out there is I think it's good to know this stuff because knowledge is power. But we also don't want to get in our heads and be like overthinking like every last move that someone's doing and all that like that could go very astray. So it's it's using these as cues and as permission to ask more is really I think the the big takeaway. I really love that. And it's also a great way to be present in the moment and almost be meditating on your 
the person's body movements and the signals they're sending out, so that eventually just becomes part of your learning.、Uh, you、mm-hmm. don't have to pause to be like, "Ooh, what? Where are her legs at? And <laughs>、well, yeah. how many times does she blink at me?"、Right. It just becomes part of your、right. cognitive workflow, and it'll just benefit all of us to better understand each other. So we cannot wait to get into this episode. I think it's time. It is time. Let's hear it from Vanessa. Let's get into this discussion with the expert herself, Vanessa Van Edwards. She's 36 years old. Currently lives in Austin. She's been there for two years. Originally from LA, and she's married. Now she is the founder and lead investigator at Science <laughs> of People. She is the best-selling author of Captivate: The Science of Succeeding with People. Vanessa is renowned for teaching science-backed people skills to audiences around the world, including South by Southwest. MIT and CES, just to name a few. Vanessa, how are you? We've been trying to get you since 2017. We were looking back through our messages. That's how <laughs>、oh、long my, it has been. Oh my goodness! I'm honored. I'm honored. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I have your paperback copy, and there's a note from 2017 of Captivate, which is. Too funny, but we're super excited to have you. So many of the things from the book have stayed with us all these years later. So, oh my goodness! Well, I wrote it. I wrote it for you. Then that, that's <laughs> yes, that's amazing. <laughs> you wrote it for us first, and then it got super popular, and then we didn't feel as special. Obviously, but... <laughs> obviously. <laughs> you know, it's it's so funny writing.、Uh, I'm an awkward person. I'm a recovering awkward person, and it's so funny. Like writing a book is such a solo endeavor, right? Like I'm alone all、mm-hmm. the time. I'm I'm researching. And then the book became so successful, and then people wanted to talk to me, and I was like, "Oh no, what have I done?" <laughs> we were actually going to kick off that we love the fact that you call yourself a recovering awkward person.、Um, <laughs> so I think that's such a funny thing to even like start with. But like, as someone, I guess we'll get right into it. Like, as someone that doesn't have natural people skills, like, how did you learn to hack human behavior, as you call it? Yeah, well. You know, it's funny. I read all every book that was ever written about communication. I feel like I had read it. I mean, everything from How to Win Friends and Influence People to I don't know if you remember the ridiculous book Tung Fu. No. <laughs> like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. I went like old school. Like every communication book that was in the library, I read it, and I noticed that there was a pattern that most of the books felt like they were written by extroverts.、Mm. And, And I love extroverts, and I find them so magnetic and inspiring. And I watch them across the room, and I hide from them. And they're just, you know, they're amazing. But if you are not an extrovert, it's very hard to learn people skills from an extrovert. And so I wanted to find a people skills book by an ambivert, by someone who likes、mm. people. I like people, but I need lots of recharge time. I need, you know, hacks and skills. I need to、mm. be able to find my spots and my people and my triggers. And so that. That was really the whole goal was to try to write something that wasn't from a natural extrovert, but that it's still worth learning. But it just took、mm. a little bit extra energy. So,、uh, like when you say hack human behavior, what does that entail? Yeah.、Exactly? So I I love when well-meaning authors give advice like. Be yourself. <laughs> Be more authentic, <laughs> and I'm like, that sounds great, but I have no idea how to do that. And so, one thing I wished for was I wanted to try to teach or learn soft skills 
using hard skills methods. I wondered, mm. okay, you know, with computer programming, you know, they, they hack programming, they have formulas and codes and blueprints and frameworks. And I was like, I want those things, <laughs> but for people. And so when I say hack human behavior, I mean, can we try, and I know humans are not computers, but can we try to look at humans as if we could make rules for ourselves that help us not contain us? Formulas that we can work on that give confidence. You know, I'm not a very confident person, so I have to work on my confidence all the time. And one secret way to get confidence I found was having a formula because mm. it sort of made me not doubt myself as much. And so as I began to research these formulas and I realized they were working for me, they worked for a couple of friends, and then I started publishing them and I realized, oh, there are other awkward people. And that's when I thought, you know what, maybe there's something to this. And that's that was sort of the, the, the start of hacking human behavior. I feel like we always talk about IQ and EQ, mm -hmm. but you talk about PQ. Mm -hmm. What is mm -hmm. this exactly? And like, why is it so important with dating? Yeah, there is actually a difference. So IQ is, you know, your technical smarts, your, your, um, the way that you process academic information and like learning information. Um, EQ is how you process emotional inf information, including your own emotional information. So it's reading the emotions of others and, and being able to process your own emotions. PQ is a little bit of a newer term. I did not create it, but it's where I live, which is understanding people information, social information, being able mm. to process body language cues, social cues, and then being able to both decode and encode them. So it's not just, I can, I can see that face. I saw they processed fear and I know how to address it. So it's recognizing this, the, the social information and then being able to deliver the correct social response. So it's a little bit, it's, it's a, you know, EQ is very internal, whereas PQ is actually both internal and external. Interesting. So That's now we get why that you're so into body language. That makes exactly. so much sense now. Exactly. So I say the trifecta, right? If you want to be really successful, you master all three. Got it. Right. Yeah. Cool. Well, we'll definitely have to add that one to our lingo. I know. I love the third it. Q. You know, I feel like something like that stood out all this time later is body language. Like, yeah. I think you talk a lot about body language and how you can decode people better through body language. We'd love to get into it with you, maybe starting with like facial expressions. Sure. Um, can you kind of tell us like what cues you look for? Like, how do you use body language and facial expressions to kind of hack that behavior? <laughs> well, facial expressions are like a superpower. And I apologize ahead of time because once you learn facial expressions, you can never unlearn them. So <laughs> for, for anyone who's listening, oh once you learn these, <laughs> you'll start seeing them everywhere and I apologize. I also think you should listen to this with like your best friend and your partner and your parents because you're going to be calling out all their facial expressions from here on out. So oh, yes, <laughs> or just look in the mirror. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. So the, the most important one I think to recognize right off the bat is the fear micro expression. So it used to be believed that facial expressions were learned, that we observed them from our parents. Parents. But actually, a lot of our facial expressions are coded within our DNA. Again, code, right? Like one of my favorite words. And so if something is coded, it means that we can study it. It means there's a universality to it. And so fear across cultures, across genders, across races, we all make this expression to stay safe. And if you want to try this with me, it's when our eyelids widen, so the whites of our eyes show above our pupil. So the whites, upper whites mm. of our eyes show, and then raise your eyebrows as far up of your forehead as they'll go. And then we usually open our mouth and take an air. <gasps> yeah. And if you keep that expression, you'll begin to feel a little unnerved, a little bit anxious, especially you try to widen your lids, the whites of your eyes show. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 
Exactly, exactly. So the funny thing about this is this keeps us safe, right? If we are in a dangerous environment or we're threatened by someone, our brain, our body wants to take in as much as we can. So we widen our eyes to see our environment, to see what our threats are, to see an escape route, and our mouth opens to take in oxygen in case we have to yell for help or run away. So that face for all humans is the safest face we can make. Now, I know this sounds crazy for like dating or business, but actually you see this expression all the time in social and business situations, all the time. Hmm. If you ask someone a question they don't know the answer to, they will often flash fear at you. In fact, in a business setting, if you say to someone, hey, like, do you know anything about this new client? And someone flashes the whites of their eyes, that's the easiest way, is mm. you just tap into something they don't know. Or if you ask an introvert an overly personal question, mm. you see the whites of their eyes. I'll, I'll, you know, a really funny pop culture example. Did you guys see that um, viral video of the Texas lawyer who had the cat filter on? Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. That was hilarious. Everyone, go rewatch that video. You will see as he's looking for what to do about this filter, even in the cat image, his eyes are in the fear micro expression. Yeah. And that is because the technology is making him nervous. So if you ask an introvert an overly personal question, if you ask someone a question that they have a lie or a bad answer mm. to, they will often flash fear. So if you say, you know, tell me about your ex. <laughs> and they flash fear at you, <laughs> you know, you, even if their verbal is like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're on good terms. Mm. But they flash fear at you, you know that you've tapped into something nerve-wracking. So for me, facial expressions are like reading beyond the words. And it, mm -hmm. it's so powerful. So fear is my favorite. Would you say people with too much Botox are making people really confused when reading facial expressions? <laughs> so Botox, there's actually research on Botox. So um, Botox inhibits the facial feedback loop. Now, this isn't always a bad thing. Mm -hmm. So when, when we're angry, let's talk about the anger microexpression. Anger is when you pull your eyebrows down into two vertical lines. Now, mm. if you've had Botox, you can't do that, right? You can't, you literally cannot furrow your brows. Now that they've found actually reduces the amount of anger a person feels, Oh, which is kind of amazing. So yeah. they're even, I've heard through the grapevine that anger management classes are now recommending it to people who get no angry way. easily. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So I'm so glad I got Botox. I'm like, there you go. I've been the happiest ever. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so what other facial expressions, like I'm thinking of like, what other negative ones could you watch out for? Like if you're on a date and you're trying to read if someone's into you, because we hear all the time of people that go on a date, they think it went wonderfully and then they never hear from this person again. Totally. Okay. So this is the same. It's funny because getting, thinking a date went well. And getting not getting a callback or being ghosted is the same as doing a sales call or a pitch or a presentation and thinking it went well and having it not go well. Mm -hmm. Same skills that if you can read facial expressions, it's almost like it's tipping you off to what potentially went wrong. The biggest negative one is actually contempt, and it's not affected by Botox, which is very helpful. So contempt is a one-sided mouth raise. So just try raising up one side of your mouth like a little smirk. Yep, yep, yep. So that one-sided mouth raise, if you hold it, you'll begin to feel better than scornful, negative. I wouldn't hold it for too long. Don't hold it for too long. <laughs> um, and that's because it, it's a dangerous expression because it's often mistaken for like half happiness or, you know, uh, maybe like irony or sarcasm. But actually, it's so negative that researcher Dr. John Gottman, uh, he's a mm -hmm. marriage and family counselor in Seattle, he researched thousands of married couples. And he found that the greatest predictor of divorce was that in the early interviews of a, of a couple, one member of the couple showed contempt towards the other. Mm. And if that was the case, with 
100% accuracy, that couple would get divorced. Wow. Wow. That is insane. Insane. Wow. Just from a little lip movement here. Yeah. And, that, and so what I would say is the two negative ones you really want to look out for on a date specifically are fear. Did you just tap into something that makes them anxious or nervous or confused? But second is contempt because contempt is the only emotion that doesn't go away. So mm. fear comes in a burst and people calm themselves down. Happiness comes in a burst and then people get back to normal. Anger, people get frustrated and they get calm. Not contempt. Contempt is if someone feels contemptuous of something and that isn't addressed, it sits and it festers. So if you were to say something like a, a passion statement or a personal statement, I love to travel or I'm vegan or um, I'm really passionate about dogs and you see contempt on the other person's face because they're trying to show half happiness, mm. you are in trouble. <laughs> you want to make sure that that is not important to you because they feel contemptuous of something in that you just said, something you just said. Is it that they secretly don't like it and that they're trying to like pretend that they do? Is that why that facial expression is made? It could be that or it could be. So it could be that they're secretly sort of like, ugh, I hate dogs. Who hates dogs? I don't know who that is, but someone says that, right? Oh, I hate dogs. Or it could be they've had a bad experience with dogs and they feel contemptuous of themselves. We don't oh. know always what's happening inside, but we do know that something negative came up and that warrants further investigation. So mm. if I was on a date and someone said – and I said, um, I love to travel and they showed contempt – I would immediately toss it back to them and say, do you love to travel? Have you traveled mm. much? When was the last time you traveled? Maybe they made contempt because they haven't been able to travel in the pandemic. You know, mm. it could be that it's not actually the thing. It's that they haven't been able to do it. So that's when you want to go into investigation mode. And, and that's what micro expressions are. They're red flags. They're flags that say, look at me. <laughs> Ask me a question about this. Got it. So it doesn't necessarily mean that they like don't like you or like there's the relationship is doomed. It's just whatever was said in that moment, if it continues to fester. I'm trying to like relate it back to the statement you made earlier about John Gottman. Like how does that connect to like relationships falling apart? It's because it's a seed of dislike or a seed of difference. And if that difference isn't worked out, discussed, mm. compromised, and respected, like we can have a difference. You might hate travel. I might like travel. And But if we have an understanding about that, if we've said, oh, yeah, hot, you know, you'll go travel with your girlfriends and, and I'm going to be the homebody, that's okay. Right. But in, in, in what Dr. Gottman found is in these couples, someone would say an I statement like, I'm not very organized. And the other person would sort of flash contempt and that wasn't addressed. And so over time, it would sit and it would fester and it would create disrespect and hatred and disdain. And so that's why facial expressions are like a superpower in, a, in an mm. early relationship during dating because it can help you a, give a peek into where your future communication issues might be. That's really helpful to learn because I had to look up what contempt really means. I've never really thought about the definition and the definition is the feeling that a person or a thing is beneath consideration, worthless, mm. or deserving exactly. scorn. And it's you think about someone being condescending and dismissive. And I really think that plants a seed for disrespect. And as we all know in relationships, when you disrespect your partner, mm -hmm. you're doomed. It's over. Yes. Yes. That's why I am so happy you guys asked about it because I think that that's um, – don't we want to we're, – we're all going to have communication issues. That's okay. You, mm -hmm. We're all – we're going to have differences. That's good. Differences in a relationship are good. As long as you're really crystal clear on what they are, I think that's the setting of a really beautiful relationship. So let's take a really quick break from this riveting discussion with Vanessa to hear a few quick messages. 
This episode is sponsored by Rothy's. Have you heard about this company making stylish, sustainable shoes and bags? They're carefully crafted with eco-friendly materials like repurposed plastic water bottles and marine plastic. In case you haven't heard of them, they're called Rothy's. Their shoes offer zero break-in period due to their seamlessly knit-to-shape design. I opted for the navy houndstooth in the point style because they're so chic looking that I could wear them to work or a night out. And they're also really comfortable because they're flats. Not to mention, they're versatile as well. I've worn mine with skirts, slacks, jeans, and dresses. Rothy's are available in a range of styles and come in an ever-changing array of colors, prints, and patterns. Finding the perfect style is easy because Rothy's come with free shipping and free returns on eligible items. And another reason to support this company, they've transformed nearly 100 million bottles into their beautiful products. Check out all the amazing shoes, bags, and masks available right now at rothys.com datable. That's R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E. Style and sustainability meet to create your new favorites. Head to rothys.com slash datable today. We are so excited to share with you our new podcast exit interview. Dates don't usually end with a satisfaction survey. And yet we rate everything in our lives from Uber drivers to local coffee shops. So why don't we do the same thing when dating? We're here to conduct the ultimate romance review featuring daters hungry for love who have agreed to call up old flames to gather honest feedback. Welcome to Exit Interview. He upgraded himself to business class while I was in economy. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> wow. What? There's feedback that will make you cringe. She could be a little bit hard-headed, like not reading the writing on the wall. And feedback that will make you swoon. But she said that she had feelings for you. I had no idea. Really? <laughs> and maybe you'll learn a thing or two yourself about how you can be a better dater, lover, or partner. Obviously, like, Nina's going to learn something. I didn't expect this. Welcome to Exit Interview. Listen to Exit Interview on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What about like body language of like how how you stand like relative to someone else? I've heard like if you point your like feet towards them, it means that you like are into them. What is your take? Is there any truth to that? There is some truth to that. So think about it this way. So when you like something or when you're interested in something, you want to move towards it. You want to get closer to it. You want to listen to it. You want to hear it. You want to see it, right? Like if you see a delicious piece of cake across the room, your whole <laughs> body, you're, you want to smell it. You want to taste it. You want to lick it. You want to be first in line to get it. And so the same kind of thing happens with people that we like, with topics that we like. And so we've noticed that, and, and research, there's some research to prove this as well, that when there's a person in the room that we're most interested in, now this could be a crush, but this could be the boss. This could be someone who holds the keys to your tower. You know, this could be someone you're intrigued by, your body will sort of give you away and that your toes will begin to orient towards them because that's where you want to move. So I have noticed, and I'm researching this for my next book, which I'm very excited about, that like when people are getting ready to leave a party, Mm -hmm. their body will start to angle towards the door. Like literally their feet are getting ready to go towards the door. When someone's really hungry, their body will slowly orient towards the buffet, like just slowly. (laughs) And so this is a great thing because one, it can help you see intention, right? If someone's Mm -hmm. all of a sudden breaks away from you with their, their, their body begins to angle towards something. Thing. It's just something, you know, oh, they've disengaged slightly. And you have a choice. You can say, hey, do you want to go grab a, some food together, grab a plate? Or you can say, oh, I'm going to ramp it up. And I'm going to be more engaging, right? Like I'm going to get them back. So you have a choice with that cue. And that all body language, I think, is the same way. Is it gives you choices. 
It gives you more information, and more information is empowering. For someone like me who's a recovering awkward person who doubts myself constantly, to have some extra communication tools in my tool belt Mm -hmm. makes me feel like, okay, I think they just disengaged. Great. This is the perfect opportunity to like go to the bathroom and reconnect later or whatever Mm. it is. Right. And Vanessa, do you prioritize which part of the body (laughs) is more important? Because I you always hear like, oh, if they're if her knees are pointed towards you, she must be interested. But what if her torso is turned away from you? Is this just mixed signals? So some some experts say that the feet are the windows to the soul, like the lower part of the body, because um. we don't think about it as much, right? So like they sort of are our our intuition or our instinct. I like I like that. I think that's a that's a cool idea. But I like to pay attention to the purposeful ones a little bit more. So if someone's angled their torso towards me and their head towards me and their chin and their shoulders, they are trying to connect with me. Mm. Okay, if their feet are pointed the other way, maybe they kind of have to go to the bathroom, but they're so engaged with me that they're trying. So I would rather, I like to look at the facial expressions, eye movement, mouth behavior, hand gestures, and torso more. The feet and the legs, if I if I see it, great. The other thing is like, like just from a purely logistical standpoint, looking at someone's feet is kind of hard. Right, yeah. right? Like, 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 like pure logistics. If you're in a great date with someone or you're networking or you're, you're speed dating and you're like looking at someone's feet the whole time. Yeah. It's weird. <laughs> you're like head is under the table at a restaurant. You're just Awkward. like, I need, to, I need to see if this person likes me or I, not. Yeah, I need to exactly. see your back right now. Not a foot exactly. fetish. <laughs> I feel like another one that I think is really important is eye contact. Like mm-hmm. I notice if someone isn't giving me eye contact and I notice when they're really dialed in. But I've also had a friend that I've called out on this a little, not even a romantic partner. And it's kind of just the way she is. Like, how do you like know whether like it's a sign or it's just, you know, they're not even, they're oblivious to what they're doing kind of thing. So it's funny. I, whenever I teach presentations, I have, usually I teach a slide that talks about the science behind eye contact. And I always start with a little multiple choice question. So uh, we'll have, we'll do it together. Everyone listening. Okay. In Western cultures, so this is a little different, a little different for cultures, but let's say, let's take Western cultures. What amount of the conversation should you be making eye contact? So in a one-to-one conversation, what percent of the time should you be engaging in eye contact? Is it A, 30%, B, 50% of the time, C, 65% of the time, or D, 90% of the time? C. I would say 90. Is that C? That That's uh, D. So, D. Okay. I would say D. Okay, say so 65. the answer. Okay, correct. The answer is C. The answer is C. <laughs> so here's what's funny about that. Every single answer gets hands raised. Mm. So some people raise their hand at 30%. Some people are sure it's 50%. Some people are sure it's 65 and so that taught me something very interesting that, yes, I get the, the research shows 65%, but when you actually ask thousands and thousands of people, everyone has different ideas of appropriate eye contact. Mm-hmm. Mm. This, in a way, I think gives you permission that if you're in between 30 and 90%, great. If you can <laughs> narrow it a little bit more to like 50 to 70 perfect, right? So I would say that you don't have to drive yourself crazy with this, but you do want to try to make eye contact for enough of the time where you're at least looking at their facial expressions, mm-hmm. you're noticing their eye color, you're noticing their eye movement. You don't have to be locked eyes with them. In fact, at 90%, you begin to get a little invasive. Like it begins to be <laughs> yeah, like, whoa, too much. whoa. <laughs> 
So that should give people permission that they don't have to make eye contact a lot of the time, but you want to notice their expressions. That's kind of the rule of thumb. So that hopefully that makes you feel better. That's also interesting too, because like I think I make eye contact a lot, which is why I value it a lot. But you're basically saying that it can vary. So it may not really be an indicator of interest. Like if you think that the person isn't doing it as much. I think that under 30% and it is an indicator of interest. Does that make sense? So like if it goes under 30%, you're actually missing the chemical of oxytocin. So when we make Mm. eye contact, we produce oxytocin. Well, if you're not making enough eye contact, you're not producing enough oxytocin, which means that if someone's not wanting the oxytocin from Mm -hmm. you, there is a lack of interest there. So does that mean if you're making like 90%, you're just like so obsessed with each other? It's invasive. You know, it's like it's. Well, listen, let's put it this way. What do we do right before we kiss? We make 90% eye contact. Yeah. Right? So it's just sliding up the scale of intimacy. That isn't bad if you're vibing. Mm. Right. right. If you're vibing and you're like, yeah, I want you to kiss me. Great. Slide up that scale. Right. Like go all the way up. But if you're in the in a loud bar and you're not sure, sometimes 90% can be like, whoa, this is coming on too strong. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's all contextual. That makes sense too. Mm-hmm. But, but, in the, but always in between 30 to 90. Right. Like we never want to go below or above. That's kind of my range. So if someone's like consistently removing their eyes from you, that's a bad sign. Basically. If they're only looking at your feet, then they've either heard something weird about body language (laughs) (laughs) or they're avoiding. And Vanessa, you say that the first five minutes is really important when meeting someone new, making that first impression. So what are some quick tips you can give to our listeners for making a very good first impression in those first five minutes? So I really like studying first impressions. I think that um, I put a lot of pressure on myself to make every answer amazing. You know, when I was dating, when I was doing pitches, interviews, I was like, I have to have every answer be perfect. My body language has to be perfect for the entire time. But then I actually realized looking at the research, that's actually not true. There's actually good news in that it's really just the first few seconds. Like if you can make the first few seconds great non-verbally, it kind of sets you up for a really good interaction no matter what you say or do, which is kind of nice. So I would say in the first few seconds and when we break this down, there's a couple key elements to a good first impression. But the number one is um, openness in the sense of we don't like when things block Mm -hmm. our bodies. Like we don't like when someone is crossing their arms or holding something in front of their chest. We don't like when someone doesn't reach their hands out towards us because that feels like they're being closed off. So you want to be as open as possible. Um, Mutual eye contact, smiling at the same time, showing hand gestures and making visible hands, reaching out for a very purposeful nonverbal initiation of touch. So that could be a handshake, that could be a hug, that could be a cheek kiss, that could be a high five, that could be a fist bump. I like all those things. Just be very clear. Like the most awkward thing that you can do in an interaction is be unsure of what kind of touch you want to give. Well, that makes it more awkward even now with COVID. I'm like, I don't know if someone gave me like a fist or hug right now. (laughs) Exactly. So like even especially now, I'm super clear with the kind of touch I would like. So if I feel comfortable with someone, I'm like, I'm coming in for a hug. And I will literally open my eyes wide as I'm coming in for a hug. (laughs) If I want, if I want a fist bump, I hold up my fist like five feet away to show Mm -hmm. like I am coming in for a fist bump. If I want a cheek kiss, which I don't usually do, but if it's my European friends, I lean with my face. Like I Mm. literally show them I'm coming in. That clarity is so, it makes 
makes someone feel like, oh, wow, this person knows what they want. I know what they want. And we're warm. We're competent. We're all on the same page. Mm-hmm. Well, that's probably why historically it'll be interesting to see what happens with dating. But people would always greet with a hug, like on a first date a lot of times because it's like setting up for openness. So I could see why that like became a thing. I'm still kind of into that. And I actually think that it went in the pre-dating phase. It's actually a great question to be like, hey, are you comfortable hugging when we see yeah. each other? I actually think that's like a very respectful thing to ask. And that way, like when you go in for the hug, it can be even warmer because you've already pre-permissioned it. Right. So five minutes, like I know that's like the first like 30 seconds or whatever. Like, is there anything verbally you can do to really make that master impression? I've... I've changed my opinion on this over the years. So you'll have to forgive me if I've given different advice in different <laughs> YouTube videos. But as I've tried this with different people and watched my students try it, I've noticed that if you start with something too sparking, like too different and unique, it throws people. Mm-hmm. Ah. You know, so if you're like, hey, angel, Texas baby, people are like, what? Like, it's yeah. too weird. It's like too different. So I actually think that your first like five words out of your mouth should be pretty casual. Hey, how's it going? Hey, good Mm -hmm. to see you. Positive, neutral. The second 10 words is where you can get a little more creative. So like, I think that the best thing you can do, whether it's a video call or a in-person meeting is like, hey, it's so good to see you. Oh my gosh, this is amazing. Wow, you look great. What a beautiful restaurant. What amazing weather. That's when you can go into like the next, a little bit more positive, a little bit more different. Huh. I wonder if that applies to dating apps, too, when it comes to messaging, that I I get thrown off when the first mm-hmm. message is a little too in your face. Maybe yes. just a simple, hey, I notice your profile. How are you? And then totally. go into like the more unique opener. I, I agree. <laughs> I, I think that it works in dating apps just like in person. It's like it's like we have to know someone's not a weirdo, but we still want <laughs> right. them to be, to be interesting, right? Yeah. So I always say positive. Like if you can use words like good, great, amazing, wonderful in those first 10 words, I do think it changes the nature of the interaction, but it doesn't have to be what a wonderful earring you're wearing. It doesn't have to be that, right? It can right. be like this is such a great day. It's so great to see you. Well, I know there's like research that, you know, people love talking about themselves. So like like a way to kind of get to their heart is to ask about them. Like, is there any emotion you should pull on in those initial like questions? Positive, positive, positive. Mm-hmm. Like that what everyone is looking for is a breath of fresh air. They're, they might not say that, but like what we really want is we catch positivity. So their research shows that our emotions are very contagious. So if you start with like, what's good? What's good in the world right now? And that is how I approach all my meetings, all my video calls. I'm like thinking, what's good? What's what's something good I can bring up? Was there good weather? Is there good? Something genuinely good that puts me in a different kind of a space. And mm-hmm. when you come with that energy, it's very contagious. And we remember people who are positive. We do not like it when someone's like, oh, the weather is so terrible, isn't it? Mm-hmm. My gosh, I've been so busy. Oh my God, it was such a horrible traffic tonight. Mm. Like we don't like that because right. we ca- we don't want to catch it. Right, right. Oh, that's interesting. Got to be realistic, but positive. Exactly. Cool. This has been such an amazing conversation. We're lucky to have Vanessa for the short time that we did. I know that you're very busy, so we're very happy to get at least uh, a short time with you. But I'd love to kind of transition us into some takeaways. I think one thing for me that came to mind is not, I think the, the part around the eye contact really resonated with me, that everyone has different thresholds 
households. Mm -hmm. So while there are certain indicators of interest, it's not always like reflective necessarily of the true interest based on your perception. Like it's all relative Mm. to how you view it. And I think while it's really important to look at body language, what I really took away from this is like, it's another reason to ask why. Like the whole part around contempt, it's not necessarily if you see that facial expression that your whole relationship is going down the drain, but it's a reason to ask why and what's happening. So I think like even in the eye contact example, like if you see someone like not making that the same level that you would necessarily, it's an opportunity to like ask if something's distracting them or whatever it may be and just open up that dialogue by paying attention to these um, nonverbal cues. Yeah, the nonverbal cues are so important. That was my takeaway is that your nonverbal communication is just as important as your verbal communication. So when we're on these dates and so many of us feel stressed and pressure to fill the space with words, Mm -hmm. sometimes we can just do it with our bodies. We Mm -hmm. can turn our feet towards the person (laughs) we're on a date with. Maybe we can turn our square our shoulders off to them and just take a beat to show them that you are showing interest with your body. Exactly. It's also a good reminder that we need to be just more present with our partners and on these dates so we can even be aware of the body Mm -hmm. language. Just even, you know, Vanessa said, hold your gaze for long enough that you can uh, you can identify their eye color. That was like, I can't tell you how many dates I've been on where I can't recall their eye color because I probably was thinking too much about what should I say next? Am I coming off okay? I didn't even take the chance, the time to look at the person I'm a date with. So I think it's just, it reminds us that we need to be more present when we're in the presence of other people. Absolutely. I think that <laughs> I'm like trying to think back to like when I've like noticed people's body language and I really don't notice it. Vanessa, I think when you made that comment around, you know, like people by default are going to feel close to like what they want and like feel like like they're pointing directions and all that. Like, I think that is kind of a reminder when you see those signs too, that maybe you're onto something good. Yeah. Cool. Oh, this has been so interesting. Is there like any final takeaway you would leave like our audience of, you know, like what is the kind of like the tips to like ensure that you are understanding behavior? Like what would be kind of a broad level takeaway you would have? I think that the biggest thing that I, I think it's my life's work to share this message. So hopefully I won't get too mushy on you for the moment, but really if I could spread one idea out into the world, and it's very important for people who want to meet their people, (laughs) is there are multiple definitions of charisma. I think a lot of us think we have to be the bubbly, happy extrovert all the time. And that's not true. There are many different kinds of charisma. You can be a quiet, contemplative introvert. You can be a compassionate, empathetic nurturer. You can be a warm, friendly, likable breath of fresh air. You can be the impressive, funny, magnetic person. Those are all different kinds of charismatic and they're all correct. They're all right. We like all those people. And so don't feel like you have to show up or pretend to fake it till you make it. I do not believe in fake it till you make it. I think you have a natural version of your own charisma that is wonderful and and powerful and that will attract your person. And so I would say, don't try to fake it till you make it. Don't try to pretend to be an extrovert. Instead, find your natural strengths, find your natural social strengths, figure out where you're most charismatic on your own and try to find people who like you for that. 
That's great advice. I love that. Be yourself, but to your fullest potential. Exactly. And that's where the hacks come in. Exactly. (laughs) Yes. Exactly. And if if you need some hacks along the way, amazing. I could not find my natural charisma without those hacks, which is why I've made a career out of sharing them. Can you share with people how they can like find you if they want to look into these hacks a little more? Of course. So I put out a free YouTube video every week and we go deep. Like we go in depth in these, uh, in my YouTube videos and they're all, all up for free. So I'm Vanessa Van Edwards on YouTube. And then if you want to kind of have the plan, like if you're more of a, um, uh, a systematic learner, then I, I would be honored if you would check out Captivate. I also read my Audible book and try to be a little funny sometimes. So hopefully um, that's another, if you're a listener, um, it's uh, available wherever books are sold as well as an Audible. And then of course my website, sciencepeople.com, we have all of our courses, our online content and our um, email PDF, our uh, like downloadable PDFs. Awesome. Great. We'll include all of that in our show notes. And one last question for you is, do you think all awkward people know that they're awkward? (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not. No, right? Definitely not. In fact, it's funny. I think that the sometimes the most awkward people can be the most brilliant people. Mm-hmm. So I, my, the people that I love to help the most are my brilliant, talented, above average people. Like they're so, they're achievers, they're smart, they've had degrees, they've killed it in their career. And finally, there's something that happens where their social skills catch up with them, where they realize that they have achieved something amazing, but no one invites them to lunch. Right. Or that they have a brilliant idea or piece of technology or invention, but they can't raise funding. Mm. Or they are super career successful, but can't find their soulmate. And so that, I think, actually the most awkward people tend to be the most brilliant, which means they don't always see that all they need is a little bit of help on the social skills side, and that mm-hmm. would unlock all their brilliance, um, but they don't realize it. They just need those hacks. That's all. <laughs> well, Vanessa Van Edwards, everyone, thank you so much. Three years in the making. So glad Woo-hoo! that we finally made this happen. Wait, four years in the making. Yeah, almost. it's already 2021. Yeah. <laughs> oh, twenty twenty. finally didn't made this happen. Didn't count. Yep. Well, thank you so much for having me, and thanks, everyone, for giving us your time and letting me share this mission. I appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks, Vanessa. And for everyone listening right now, it really benefits us and to you to leave us a review in Apple Podcasts because the more reviews we get, the more five stars we get, the even better uh, our content is and we can get awesome guests such as Vanessa. We are very appreciative when you leave a review and five stars. It only takes you a second and it leaves us a lifetime of hearts Mm -hmm. and butterflies in our stomach. So thank you so much for anyone who's already done that. Um, And in true dateable fashion, we're going to wrap this up. Stay Stay dateable. (laughs) There she goes. The Dateable Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Want to continue the conversation? First, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter with the handle at Dateable Podcast. Tag us in any post with the hashtag stay dateable and trust us, we look at all those posts. Then head over to our website, datablepodcast.com. 
There you'll find all the episodes as well as articles, videos, and our coaching service with vetted industry experts. You can also find our premium Y series where we dissect, analyze, and offer solutions to some of the most common dating conundrums. We're also downloadable for free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Overcast, Stitcher Radio, and other podcast platforms. Your feedback is valuable to us, so don't forget to leave us a review. And most importantly, remember to stay dateable.